Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. This podcast is part of a partnership between TEDx St Kilda and 3CR Radio. I'm Squirrel Maine, and in this podcast, we hear an interview with TEDx speaker Jeremy Lincolns, a registered nurse, discussing mistakes and saying sorry. You were full of stories in this talk, and your story of treating a convicted murderer in the helicopter just speaks to the point of the fact that doctors are treating all different types as well, and and, and the humility and humanity of it all. Can you tell us a bit more about that instance, but also how learning that the person was a murderer changed your viewpoint? Yeah, look, it was one of those moments where I guess I was treating him in a particular way in the back of the aircraft. Um, the aircraft was just about ready for takeoff. It was quite a interesting morning in that it was actually New Year's Day. So we'd been quite busy and the crew was tired and we used to fly quite long hours. We'd be essentially on call for two weeks straight. So it wasn't unusual for us to be potentially starting our first flight for the day at, say, 10 o'clock at night and then going all the way through to almost lunchtime the next day. And so we had picked up this particular man on the morning of New Year's Day and it was minus 25 outside and it's quite a lot of effort to fly in this region and to actually transport people from remote area communities and clinics and then take them in vehicles. In this case, we actually had to transfer this man in the back of a ute. That was the only vehicle that we could get hold of, and it was a half-hour drive from the clinic to the airport. Uh, this is the relaxing change and that you saw. Yeah, and we're actually in the back of a ute, you know, in this temperature. And so when we had him loaded into the back of the aircraft, that's when he became quite agitated, and, and in a way, rightly so. He'd been beaten up with baseball bats and had head injuries. But there was that, I guess, that sense of impatience. And when we often treat people, uh, particularly in emergency services, we tend to do it in a way that's, we we tend to be sort of almost dictating how things are going to play out. And in some cases, that's rightly so. There's a a time pressure that has to be sort of played out. Uh, But it was just that moment when I realised, and the the captain of the aircraft alluded to the fact, because I'd just finished actually, you know, telling him off, uh, unbuckling himself from the stretcher. It was in that moment when the captain highlighted the fact that this man had just got out of jail for murder, uh, and that's why he'd actually been beaten up, because it was his, it was the brothers of a woman that this uh, man had actually murdered, and that was the reason for the actual attack on this particular man. And it was in that moment that I, I guess I realised I had to shift in terms of how I interacted with this man, because I was going to be in the back of an aircraft with him for the next two hours while we flew to a major hospital. So it was in that moment of shifting... Uh, I need to interact differently. I can't get away with what I may have got away with in a big hospital where we have security and police and other staff. So I had to really rethink how I... And you'd often find yourself in this sort of situation, working in remote settings. And then it was then reflecting on that unhealthy relationship that we sometimes have with our our patients. Uh, It tends to be hospitals and healthcare does actually come from a hierarchical structure. It's a very top-down approach. And so we're not necessarily always working effectively with our patients and families, but rather it's uh, doing things to patients or for patients, but not necessarily working in true collaboration with our patients. So that idea of true collaboration kind of brought you through to the idea that you don't say sorry 
and and that was the main theme of your your talk was just talking about the fact that doctors often don't say sorry. One of your points was um, maybe fearing litigation, maybe fearing litigation. Um, and, and you're coming at this from an angle as a, as a paramedic and as a registered nurse. Sorry, I keep saying doctor because you, you were a jack of all trades up there in the Arctic Circle. But That's yeah. right. Yeah, I, I do allude to in the, um, the TED talk, the fact that when you work in remote settings, you actually do work as a, in quote, you know, in, uh, as a nurse, as a paramedic, as a doctor, as a psychologist, because you're it. You're the only healthcare professional in that setting. Therefore, you work right across all domains. If anything serious happens, the reality is you do rely on having to transport somebody out. And if the weather's not very good, it may take, you know, uh, more than a day to get somebody out. So you're left to deal with whatever you, you present yeah. to the clinic. Yeah. Now talking about yep. um, difficult paramedic yeah. and ambulance circumstances. Yeah. No, thank, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, talking about saying sorry though do you think it's because people are afraid of getting sued I, I think that's our excuse and I actually see this phenomena also in first aid out in the community we often talk about not wanting to provide first aid because we're worried about getting sued as far as first aid goes as as a side example just to sort of highlight that there's some similarities between the two is the fact that there's never really been any cases that have highlighted the fact that bystanders and community members will get sued because there is actually what's called the Good Samaritans Act in place that protects people, providing they're still doing something within what's reasonably expected of people. Uh, it's very unlikely. What's, there's no cases out there to support that. Look, we fundamentally have a problem with saying sorry. It doesn't matter whether it's in an intimate relationship or whether it's between two people, between, a, say, a car accident or whether it's in healthcare. You're just dealing with, in healthcare, something far more profound. You're talking about people's lives and in very emotionally charged moments in their life. I've always had the belief that people uh, are very emotionally charged in two moments and that's, you know, with money and health. You know, these are things that are really big trigger sensitive things. So when things go wrong, the reality is often people are actually just looking to have some form of acknowledgement that something has occurred in their life by another person. And they want that acknowledgement and they want an apology. And it's not necessarily an apology to say, I've done something wrong and I'm sorry for that. It's about empathising for the patient and their family that something unwanted has actually occurred. And we sort of get those confused because often, you know, there's different ways of looking at it. Our ego can get in our way. Our sense of self can be compromised. And when you work in healthcare, you are very focused on doing the right thing by people. So when things don't go wrong, it is devastating. And we don't necessarily want to confront that and look at that and stare that in the eyes. And was this turning point a difficult one for you or did it feel more like a relief? It was actually a, a long, slow transition. Uh, I think for me, we essentially work in an institution uh, in hospitals and healthcare. So we come into an organisation and it, it is just the way it is. I've seen plenty of clinical errors that have never really truly been acknowledged. They've been brushed under the carpet. And it sort of, and our perception of what a clinical error is or a medical error in healthcare is actually very different from a patient or a family's perception of a medical error. We've actually got criteria where things have to occur that are actually considered a medical error. But the reality is with some people is not even a medical error has to occur for an actual patient or a family to feel like things have gone wrong in healthcare. So it's actually not just about medical errors, it's about 
the patients or the family's experience of their time in healthcare that actually that leaves them with a bad taste. And we're not very good at actually sitting down and listening to that directly with patients or families and listening to their story, being able to learn from that particular experience without taking it personally. It's just an opportunity to learn, and that's all patients and families want for the vast majority of cases, is to actually just be able to share their story and for us to learn and they really want other people to have not have to go through that similar sort of experience that they've had. So they want the organisation and they want particular staff members to actually learn from their experience. You hear about the one baby who was misdiagnosed in bigger and was flown for, you know, between four different hospitals or yeah. what you will, and then it ended up passing away. But the, the mom's yep. just consistently saying... I just want it not to happen to other That's parents. That's right, yeah. So that, that actually was a coroner's case and what have you, and it was looked into, and, I, and the findings were that there was nothing actually in the decision-making process that was done incorrectly. That was the feedback. They're missing the point. That what they want is just to be heard, and it's about sitting in the patient's perspective or, in this case, the parent's shoes. And the reality is, in that case, I think from recollection, the child went to at least four different hospitals. Now, if you're sitting there as a, you know, a consumer or a family member, there's part of you that's going to think, why, why are we going to yet another hospital? What was wrong with that last hospital? Then they get to you know, the next hospital, and then they're told they have to go to another hospital. Now, that doesn't set you up with a sense of confidence that people know what's going on. So it's more about the perception of, in this case, the family. I, I think I obviously haven't spoken to the family, but it's to say they would want nothing more than to be able to sit down in a room with the people involved and to be able to share their story and to have the relevant healthcare professionals or hospital administrators or people that can actually influence change to actually listen to their story in a heartfelt way, not with their defences up, not with their egos in the room, but just to truly listen to that story and to understand that that was a hard journey for the parents and to actually be able to actually acknowledge the difficult nature of that situation and to potentially as an entire group, once that story shared, for also the healthcare professionals to actually go back and provide an explanation of what actually happened for them. And then with that shared understanding, then you can go on to actually ask that question, is there something we could have done differently? Is there something we can do differently in the future? The problem is everyone goes into defence mode and people stop listening. Mm -hmm. And and there's actually what I refer to in the TED Talk is a, a concept called restorative practice or restorative justice. And this is a model that's used in prisons, in schools, where anybody's impacted by the behaviour of another. So sometimes it's intentional bad behaviour towards another or sometimes it's not intentional But it's an opportunity to sit down and have the conversation about what's happened. And that typically doesn't happen in a lot of cases because people are sort of head off in their own directions. They become defensive. They withdraw from the situation. Now, Jeremy, a a quick Google search of your name, the word mindfulness comes up quite a bit. Is this something that when you talk about the restorative practice, it does ring a lot like mindfulness as well. Is this a tool that you've been using intentionally, mindfulness? Where does mindfulness fit into it all? There's a story behind everything. (laughs) Tell us the story. (laughs) I was actually working for an international aid organization at the time. We had um, an aid worker working in another country. 
who became quite quite unwell, and I'd been uh, liaising back and forward in terms of this particular um, aid worker. And I was at the time in another country on a security course because my role was actually health, safety and security for this international aid organisation. My boss at the time got a message through to me to say that she needed to talk uh, ASAP. So I gave her a call. She went on to ask the question what had happened to that aid worker that I was had been dealing with in, in the other country that had become sick. And I said, well, as far as I'm aware, she's resting and recovering in this country and it seems as though she's on the improve. My boss at the time actually responded by saying, well, she's going to die and it's all your fault. And, and she hung up on me. And uh, I, I called back and tried to get more information. She says, don't bother. It's too late. She's going to die. And again, hung up on me. So, so what that created for me, and there's, there is a phenomenon in um, healthcare when a healthcare provider is under the assumption that they have actually caused harm to another person or even killed them. There's a lot of cases, documented cases, where healthcare professionals never go on to actually practice again. Um, so this actually had a good ending in that the, the individual involved actually um, did end up in an intensive care unit in a developed country, um, was quite sick for quite some time. They weren't quite sure if she was going to survive, but she ended up surviving. But I was left with quite a struggle of, of a script that that stayed in my mind, this word of she's going to die and it's all your fault. So that actually led me onto a bit of a journey of understanding more about how the mind works and emotions. And I just became very curious in that space. And one thing led to another and then I found myself doing some mindfulness training. The more I got involved in that, the more I saw its application in a whole range of settings from people working in business to people with health problems, psychological problems and, and a better understanding of why we do the things that we do when it comes to our own behaviour. And it does have a nice fit for working with people, say, in conflict because ultimately conflict is about you know, contending with our own emotions and our own thoughts and the harm that we do onto others. So it's, a, it's quite a powerful tool for sort of helping people overcome harm that's been done in that, these types of circumstances. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I've been spellbound enough to, to even see that we've gone over time. Appreciate you coming in and just sharing how you learn to take the mindfulness to the restorative practice to saying sorry. So simple. Yeah, do, it you, is, yeah. do you have plans for um, taking this to the future? Like, is this something that as a paramedic or registered nurse that you're going to be spreading in Victoria or in whatever country you live in next? Yeah, so I'm based in Victoria and my interest is actually working in healthcare and particularly around doing conflict resolution between patients and healthcare providers and looking at conflict within healthcare organisations because it is quite rife. There's problems with the culture even amongst healthcare professionals between different departments and patients and, and healthcare providers and a lot of it can be quite easily resolved with the right tools and the right approach. Yeah, so that's a strong interest of mine. Good luck with that, Jeremy, and thank you so much for joining us here on 3CR's Wednesday Breakfast. Thanks. You've just been listening to Jeremy Limpins, a registered nurse. Jeremy was a speaker who took part in the March 2015 TEDx St. Kilda Talks. You can hear Jeremy's TED Talks, as well as the talks of other great speakers at TEDxStKilda.com. This interview was originally aired on 3CR Radio on the 7th of May 2015, and is part of a partnership between 3CR and TEDx St Kilda. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.